we have some people with some real problems around here, don't we? <laughs> oh, thank you for letting your pastors like live out some dreams that we, we can't do in real life, you know? But uh, man, praise God for what we can do with video nowadays. What a treat. Hey, just a moment of family time together. Maybe you noticed in the video announcements earlier or in your worship folder um, an urgent request from Jerry Bernard of Crossroads Farms. Crossroads, um, we partner with them in our missions ministry, and there are just vast regions of northern Michigan without any youth pastor presence uh, in those counties. And he is trying to develop a presence for youth in regions. He's not a local church ministry, but he's trying to partner with a number of local churches to pull them together and give a youth ministry opportunity for their children, kind of a regional youth ministry. He's looking to purchase um, a bowling alley facility just south of Kalkaskan. I actually drove by it yesterday and prayed for him and for his ministry. And, um, and I know we have things going on here that we're going to be giving to over the next number of months, and I understand that. Uh, but we also know that we all wear the same jersey with guys like this. He's not on a different team. We're on the same team. And maybe God is laying it on some people's hearts to partner with Jerry and Crossroads Farm to purchase this facility. It's coming up in auction in just a week and a half. And if you have questions or thoughts, Jerry's the best one to answer those. And there's his phone number right there in your worship folder in the East Bay Weekly. And there's his email. And, um, and just continue to pray for that ministry. Our region desperately needs it it really does hey uh, today at the end of our discussion time we're going to have some text message questions so i'm going to say something that few pastors ever say get your phone out during church don't turn it off get ready to text message during church but you're going to be text messaging me and uh, we would love to be able to get your questions and uh, to answer some of these things together while you get your phone out also get your bible out or pull your Bible up on your phone or on your iPad or iPod or whatever else you may have, and turn to the Gospel of John. And if you're in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <clears throat> if you have a red letter edition, you're going to see a bunch of red words in there. Those are the words of Jesus. And John in chapter 13, and we're going to be talking about three verses of scripture that talk about and discuss if we are all in and what a quality trait of those who are all in in God's church. Now there's an axiom that I want to work through this morning. This is something I found true as I've gone through the scriptures and also experienced time with the Lord and with his church body over the years and that is this axiom. What God does for us shouldn't end with us. Does that connect with you at all? What God does for us shouldn't end with us. And essentially, as we look at this, there's never a situation where God does something for us and we say, oh, that was just for me. He doesn't want me to do or help anyone with that at all. We found sometimes when God has blessed us with extra things, maybe he wants us to look around and see who out there may he want us also to bless with what he's blessed us with. 
we've gone through various experiences in our life and we've found, you know what, what God has blessed us with, with our experiences, he's wanted us to bless others with, with our experience. Or if we've gone through a hurt, he's wanted us to use that experience to help comfort other people. And in fact, there's a couple illustrations of this biblically. One is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And just listen to these words as we set up our discussion for today. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now, check this out. This goes right along with the axiom. He says, Who comforts us in all of our troubles. Here's the big words. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. What God does for us shouldn't end with us. It reminds me of a story uh, Bill Crowder shared. I'd just like to share it with you for a moment. It says, when my sister Carol was diagnosed with breast cancer, our family worried the diagnosis with its surgeries and treatments caused us to fear for her well-being, which drove our family to prayer. Over the ensuing months, Carol's updates were honest about the challenges, but we all celebrated when the report finally came back that the surgery and treatments had been successful. Carol was on the road to recovery. Then less than a year later, my sister Linda, face the same battle, breast cancer. Here's the cool part. Immediately, Carol came alongside of my sister, helping her understand what to expect, how to prepare for what she would face. Carol's experience had equipped her to walk with Linda through her own trial. God gives us comfort, not merely just for our comfort, <clears throat> but so we can comfort others. And Bill says it better than I. Listen to these words. Bill says, God's presence brings us comfort. Our presence brings others comfort. Isn't that neat? And guess why God shows us love? Not just so that we feel love. <clears throat> God shows us love so that we can share his love with others and especially to those I know this might be a shaking thing for you right now. God shows his love not just for us, but he may show it even so you can show love like to the people right around you. Just don't stare, okay? But it's true. Check this verse out in Galatians 6. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us good, do good to all people, especially to those who belong to, to this family, to this family of believers. So God loved us, not merely so we feel love, so that we can love. Love each other. This is inreach. Inreach is more than attendance. Inreach is more than just showing up. Inreach is more than putting something in the play. Inreach is our relationship to those we attend with and that we give with and that we serve with. And here's the big thing, and this is what we're going to talk about for the next 25 minutes or so. <clears throat> to be all in, and that's what we're talking about, to be all in, 
We need to be all in, not only for those out there, we also need to be all in for those in here. And in order to be all in for those in here, I'm sitting down, we need to love. I'm gonna talk about what that is. You got your Bible there in John chapter 13? So Jesus steps into one of the most critical moments of his earthly ministry. He was a servant to his disciples. Here's the one who created the universe, scooped out the seas, built up the mountains, spoke everything into existence. And this is the thing that blows me away. He reaches down, grabs a towel, gets down on his knee, and wipes and washes the dirty feet of all of his disciples. And then... He mentions while all of his disciples are around, he says, you know what, one of you is going to betray me, and he even outs him. It's Judas Iscariot. And it's crazy to think that Jesus just finished washing Judas's feet and served him just the same as the other guys. And then he tells them, I want you to know, someone's going to betray me, and then I'm going to be gone. And where you may look for me, I will not be. I am gone and he's predicting his death with these guys, and of course it's unsettling, and then he gives them a command. When I go, here's the command, I want you to do this, and that's where we pick up here in John chapter 13. And so look at your copy of the scriptures, if you would, with me. John 13, 33 through 35. Check this out, if you would. Verses 33 through 35. The words of Jesus when he told his disciples, I'm leaving, this is what I want you to do. Verse 33, my children... I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. Here's the command. A new command I give you. Love one another. Can we say those three words? Say them with me. Love one. Say it again if you would. Love As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If you have your uh, East Bay Weekly there, there's some study guide notes for us on the back. Take those out. Let's work through this together. There's a command. There's a command of love that Jesus gives a command of love that he gives in verse 34. It's in the imperative. He mentions straight out this word that we have to do, love, love. And and, and the word that's expressed here for love, it's not talking about marital love. It's talking about a different kind of love but not less of a commitment. There's a different kind of relational commitment, but it is commitment. And it carries the idea of expressing itself in great ways. It means to show affection, to show benevolence, loyalty, special care. Biblical love is this commitment, and and imagine this picture, this, this commitment to put someone else's needs above my own. I know I have a need, But their need is more important than my need, and I'm going to be there to meet it. 
We know love can be hard work. Now, um, if you're a parent, you know love can be hard work. Amen? Yeah. You've got to love your kid through all those things that you put your parents through. You realize that. Did you know that diaper spelled backwards is repaid? Think about that, people, huh? Some of you are writing it out right now just to check and see if it's true. If you're a parent, you know love can be hard work. If you're a spouse, you know love can be hard work. It's not always easy truly loving someone knowing their imperfections and all of their imperfections. Reminds me of this husband and wife that were at this carnival and he stepped onto this scale that also is apparently supposed to read your personality. And he put in his quarter and the printout soon came and he read it and he stood a little bit taller and kind of got this cocky pose. And she said, what? And he just handed it to her. So she grabs it and she reads the printout. It says, you are a leader with a magnetic personality, witty and attractive to the opposite sex. The wife exclaimed, oh, honey, it even has your weight wrong too. I just want you to know, love is the hardest job you will ever do. There's nothing more difficult in your life that you'll have to do than love. I also want you to know, love is the most rewarding thing you can do. There's nothing more special that can come to our lives when we give sacrificial work to put another's needs before our own. And Jesus came right out with it and he says, we need to do this. I'm on my way out. I am exiting this earth and so guys, you disciples with me, this is the main thing I need you to do. I need you to love. Now there's some qualifiers to this and Look at those with me. Let's work through this together. There's some qualifiers to love. And so he says, I want you to love, but not just to love. He says, here's your, who you're supposed to love. Love one another. Who to love? You love each other. Love each other. Jesus spent three years with these guys. He poured his heart and his soul into them. He had been their closest friend. He mentored them. And now he says, I'm going to be gone. And so the big question comes up. And here's what the question is. I loved you these three years. Now who's going to love you? I mentored you. I cared for you. I gave to you. I taught you. I supported you. I prayed for you. Now with me gone, who's going to do it? And he just lays it right out. You know who's going to do it? You are going to do it to each other. You're going to be the source of everything that I was for each other you are to love each other and Christ was straightforward with these guys he told them 
you're going to have problems in this world. It's not going to be a cakewalk. In fact, he said there's tribulation. Tribulation's going to come. And he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so he didn't set up false expectations. Everything's going to be fine, but he set up reality. Now he's telling them not to expect this world to be your friend, but you better expect each other to be your friend. We're here to love each other. And then notice the second qualifier of love is how to love. How to love. He says, this new command I give you, love one another. And then notice the how. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. What a qualification. The stipulation makes this kind of love biblical love. Now, would you brainstorm with me for a moment and think, so how did Jesus love? How did he show love? I just want to mention some things he did. He served. Washed their feet. He corrected them. He taught them. He set a good example. He fed them. He gave them peace and comfort and prayer. He showed affection. He met with them often. <clears throat> there was nothing he wouldn't do for his disciples. In fact, folks, I think we all know this. He even went to the cross and died for them. And then he says, everything I did, the way I did it, do for each other. And here's number three, the outcome of love. The outcome of love. This is powerful, folks. Verse 35. Verse 35, the outcome of love. <clears throat> By this. By us loving one another the way Jesus loved. <clears throat> By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples <clears throat> if you love one another. So here's the outcome of love. <clears throat> everyone will know you follow Jesus. Everyone. This is the signature trait of Jesus' followers is that we love each other. This is the one thing that sets us so far apart in a visible way to our world. This is something that they don't see in their work. This is something they don't see in their community. This is something many of them don't even see in their family. But we get together and we love on each other the way that Jesus loved on us. And he says, when they see it, it is a compelling, it is a magnetic attribute for those people to say, man, sign me up. Woo! I want in on that. That is what I need, and I would love to be a part of that. Let me also say the opposite is true. If there is no love, if we just do church, if there are problems, what a turnoff to our world. I'm going to give you an example of one way that that happened. 
Um, my parents a number of years ago moved down to Florida and they were checking out different churches that they may want to attend. And so they went to this church. They'd never been there before. And my dad needed to go and use the restroom. And he walked in the restroom and he heard some guys talking in there and saying whatever. He didn't know what was going on. And he walks out of the stall and he opens up the stall, walks out, and there's a man with a clipboard. And he holds it up to my dad. My dad says, what's this? And he says, um, we are getting signatures of church people to sign a petition against the pastor. Well, interesting, the next week they went back and the pastor was in the bathroom getting signatures. No, just kidding. <laughs> that would be awesome though, wouldn't it? Um, they didn't go back the next week, folks. I think they left skid marks out of that parking lot that Sunday saying, get me out of this place. And they never went back. So you see how critical love is not only for our good, but also for our outreach to others something's got to be different people should be kicking down our doors because of the acceptance that they find here they're nobody at work but there's somebody here they're disconnected sometimes in their homes or in their families but their family here They're just treated like a regular person, but they find kindness here. There's mere words of consolation in their community, but they find comfort and care here. There's grudges with their neighbor, but they find forgiveness here. And people don't talk behind their back. But rather, we stick up for one another because they help each other, they pray for each other, they encourage each other to be better followers of Jesus Christ. So I want to give you these three things, and then, then it's text message questions, okay? So I hope you're getting some good text message questions thought up and put together, and we can um, discuss them in just a moment. I want to give you these major truths to consider. These are from other passages of the Bible, but... Um, I'm putting these out there <clears throat> because these are going to set up our talk for next week. So here's a little primer into next week, and I want to give you these things. Number one, this is so important. There's the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And here's what it says. <clears throat> in, in short, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I have this faith that can move mountains, if I give everything I possess to the poor, and those are pretty big things. If I just do all this stuff, I mean, that would be amazing. Tongues, prophecy, faith, giving. You think, wow, that must be the most incredible church and the incredible Christians. And he says this, he says, if you do all that, but you don't have love, big words, you're nothing. Nothing. And so, a major truth to consider, our giftedness does not make us a great church. 
It's true. Our love does. People can say, wow, what an awesome band up front, and man, can they do all kinds of cool things, and what a, what a rock and kids sing, and all these other gifts that people have. What phenomenal teaching that goes on, and if we don't have love here, we're nothing. Our giftedness doesn't make us a great church. Our love does. Here's number two. This is where we're going to put the car in park next week in Ephesians chapter 4. And there's a riveting verse in there that says, from him, from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. He looks at us like a body. We're held together, and he says these words, we grow and build ourselves up in love. We grow as we are together building each other up in love. And here's a major truth to consider for next week. God doesn't grow the church through programs, but through people as they love. We do not have a program that's better than our people. Say, you know, their people stink, but man, they got great programs. That's why I love the church. It just ain't going to happen. There's no program better than our people that love each other. <clears throat> so God doesn't grow the church through programs, but through people as they love. <clears throat> and then here's the major truth to consider, and then we're going to get to your text message questions. Jesus said that the two most important commandments are to love God and love others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, and all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's how important love is, folks. It shows we're all in here. All in for each other is when we have love. Now, I do have some other things, <clears throat> but I'm looking at our clock, and I want to get to questions you may have. And I'm wondering if you sent in some text message questions. Some of you may be wondering where we're going with all this, and maybe that's a question that we're going to get. So <clears throat> I'm not sure if we've had any questions come in. If not, um, that doesn't bother me, because that means I'm not going to be stumped by anything um, here this morning. What are practical ways to learn about the needs of our church and to love our brethren well? Wow. It's <clears throat> um, a great thought. Practical ways to learn about the needs of our church and to love our brethren well. <clears throat> I'm not sure how this is going to go over, <clears throat> but here we go. If you like it, my idea. If you don't like it, um, Pastor Ryan's idea. <laughs> the worship guy gets all the blame. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> here's how I look at church ministry. We have a lot of things that we do, <clears throat> but there are a few things we need to do well. And I really believe that there's orders of priority. Here's how I've thought about this. Number one, if I could only do one, if we say, you know what, folks, <clears throat> we're limited. We can only do one thing as a church. And you know what it would be? <clears throat> it would be this thing. We need to get together and love God together. We need to celebrate God together. We need to learn about God together. And I would do this worship gathering. If we could only do one thing, that's what it would be. <clears throat> then here's question number two. What about if we could do two things? 
You're only allowed to do two things. You got to pick. You can't say, we're, we're doing 10 things. No, you can only do two. Then we would do this worship gathering. We got to do it. <clears throat> and I really believe this is the second most important thing in church. And this is where it gets me in trouble. Because I might be saying about the thing that you love that it's not in the top two. I really believe number one is our worship gathering. Number two is somehow we need to collect not in the big group, but into smaller gatherings to love each other. There's no way, folks, just look around here. There's no way that we all can know everybody's stuff and be in their lives to help with everything. It just isn't going to happen. Let me tell you, I'm an expert at large families, okay? It gets tough for Lisa and I to run around and take care of everyone. Praise God, we have older girls. And we say, you know what, can you help with bath time with the boys? You know, can you, can you go and drive your sister to child care to help those folks? You know, because mom and dad just can't do it all all the time. And so the body comes together to help each other. So I really believe where we are moving with this is, yeah, we have the big group, but you know what? Everyone, and I know that that gets me the tough thing, everyone needs to be something smaller where, like cheers, everyone knows your name. And people really do care. And when you walk in, Someone knows if you're there, and they know if you're not. Because we're, we're not in a small church mentality anymore. There's something bigger God's doing, but we still do need smallness here. And I'll tell you, one of our coolest groups in the whole church is our older people, our light bears group, yeah, I know, there you have. <clears throat> I told you they're crazy. We need a dance video of them up there, you know? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? They do the craziest things, and they're together, and they, but here's the deal, they know each other. They love each other. They pray for each other. When there's a need, boom, they're on the phone, they call each other. And if someone doesn't show up here, they know it, and they call them up. And I'm just saying, why should our older people be the ones that have all the fun? That should be the way it is for all of us. I really believe eventually the most practical thing we can do, you're not going to be able to know the needs of the whole church. You're not going to be able to meet the needs of the whole church. Gang, I can't. And I don't think it's biblical for me to meet the needs of the whole church or you to meet the needs of the whole church. I think it's biblical for the whole church to meet the needs of each other. So that's ultimately where we're going to be going. It's one of our five initiatives for this year. And we've jumped into the, the greeting hosting, the kids thing, our resource center is making some movement right now, and we're excited about that. We're, we're into our electives. And then number five, and get ready, fasten your seatbelt there in the pew, because this fall we want to do the largest small group launch of our church's experience to date. We really believe everybody should be in a relational group 
where they are known, where they are prayed for, loved, and cared, and even more so, where they're the ones that do it to other people. Okay, that, I think that was my 30-second answer for that question right there. What else we got? These are great. These are great. Love sometimes means telling people that they're wrong. How do we balance that with telling me I'm wrong is wrong and you must be bad type of people? Yeah, that's not easy today. Because if you tell someone wrong today, then you're not tolerant. You know. um, I don't want to walk into our political um, arena here today, but um, pointing out errors is a, is, a, is a tough thing today. It's a part of our love though and and i believe jesus says it better than me he talks about speaking the truth in and speaking it in love i think one of the best platforms to tell someone that they're wrong is to have a relationship with them then they know you do love I, you know if if you have a critical spirit about someone or you know what it feels like if there's someone that just gives you the look every time. You have no relationship. And then they just come over to say, you know what? I don't think you're raising your kids well. You know what you want to do to them. Pray for them, right? That's what you were thinking. <laughs> Amen. I, we're all just spiritual here. Um, you know, you want to say, you're just a critical nag, is what you want to say. You know what? I see your kids, and guess what? They're not so hot either. <laughs> but if you love somebody... And you pull them aside and you say, you know what? I love you so much. I'm imperfect too. And I love you so much. Can I talk to you about this for a moment? They know if it's in love or if you just want to get them. And it's one of the best things we do is truth in love and taking the road of humility, being so gracious with them. Owning up to your own faults is one of the best things I think that can give you a platform to connect with people. But relationship, I really believe, is one of the best ways to be able to connect with someone about their challenge. What else we got? How do we, teenagers, help people and show the love of Jesus? You want to know what I love about that? A teen just texted in church and did not get in trouble with their parents. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That is the best. And you know, I think teens have such a hard time nowadays because Teenagerville is one of the most unloving stages. Teens are absolutely cruel in many cases to each other. And especially, I'm just going to walk out there, teen girls, wow. Boys, you know, you say, you're ugly. Well, you know what, you're uglier. And then, <laughs> and then they're done with it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> girls, you say that, woo, you know, they're crying and they run off and it's like, oh man, you know, and then there's grudges and, you know, they've been married 50 years. You say, you remember what you said back? And, oh my word. So it is hard. I just need to get back to our question, don't I? Uh, not that I've experienced any of this either. <laughs> oh my word. Um, man, how do we help people and show the love of Jesus? Wow. I really think, though, teen, understanding your culture today, you had the best opportunity to show the love of Jesus because you're going to see people in your school or your community 
in your neighborhood that gets picked on, that is not included, that's on the outside. What an opportunity for you to step in and take them on. If you show them love, you have pole position in their heart and life to talk to them about Jesus. By this, that love, they're going to know you follow Jesus, that you're different than all their other friends. What an awesome opportunity. I think we've got time for one more. These have been great, haven't they? Let's see what else we got. Can lack of love be cured simply with a command to love? Isn't a lack of love symptomatic of something more functionally wrong or missing? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. I really believe our lack of love for each other is ultimately cured when we do Jesus' first commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's ultimately where it starts. You know, because we know how it is with our kids and they're not getting along and they do something to each other and you get them together and they're so mad at each other and you're like, Say you're sorry. Sorry. Now say you're sorry. Sorry. Oh, okay, great. Now everything's fine. No, it's not. They haven't touched their heart. Ultimately, I truly believe that when we love Jesus and want to be like him, it solves a lot of our other issues. In fact, he says, you know what? You can't hate your brother and say you love me. It just doesn't happen. So ultimately, it's a love for God thing. How can you love God and hate your brother, it says in 1 John? Impossible. We love God. Start there. And really pour our life into him. And then love the people he loves. And I really believe that's at the core of it. I want to give you... Um, just a couple takeaways here. We all know the beauty of love. And there's some risks in loving. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to say, you know what, if you love, everything's going to be beautiful. You're going to be running in slow motion on the beach. You know, it's going to be like reruns of the love boat. You know, it's just so euphoria. There's no problems when you love. Everything is solved. I'm going to tell you, Love is risky. You can love and get hurt. Some people say, you know what, I feel full relationally. I really don't have much need of love. But I would say it's not merely about you getting this love, it's about you giving it. Some people say, I don't know that I want to be in a smaller group i kind of like being in a big room where people don't know who i am because there's a vulnerability to love there's an exposure to it or i can get to know things about others where i might be disappointed in them i thought they were so perfect and now look i might get hurt there's so many risks to love but i'm here to tell you this morning the alternatives stink Loneliness stinks. You want to know what stinks? Fake Christianity stinks. 
where we're not into each other's lives, but we just come saying, listen, go home, stink. We need to be in each other's lives. No outreach stinks. People come in here and don't sense God's love, stink. No true growth, ultimately failure as a church if we don't love. Here's three takeaways. And then we're going to sing about how awesome Jesus is. Here's three takeaways for you. Boy, these are just brilliant takeaways. Probably never, never imagined such deep truths coming from up here before. Church people can double as friends too. Isn't that deep? Church people can double as friends too. You know what? Some of the most fun enjoyable partners you can ever have in life are in this room right now. And it is an absolute treat. If you see some of these people only on Sunday, you're missing out, gang. Here's number two. And it's kind of what I just said. You can see or call each other on days other than Sunday. You have the church's permission. You can connect any other day of the week. In fact, and I'll tell you right out, church people need you on other days than Sunday. And that's number three. Your church family needs you. Church family needs you. This love thing is a big gig. It is what will set this ministry apart in this community and folks is what will set you apart as a follower of Jesus in your world. I really think the best evangelism program we could ever come up with is us loving each other and loving our world. And Jesus said it better than me. That's the mark of someone who follows me, follows Jesus, his love. Would you close your eyes with me and can we pray together? And I have the feeling that if you are in the same boat with Brian Conover here this morning, you know that this love for each other can be more here at East Bay. We're getting there. And God may be asking of you today to already be thinking about getting into others' lives, being all in with each other. And he might be thinking about you connecting with some people on a routine basis. You can't connect with the whole church, but some. He might be thinking about, like, get ready for a small group in the fall. You need to be plugged in. That might be what he's talking about. From some seniors, get in that light bears group. But we need to be in a position to love, like Jesus loved. So as I pray... Do you sense that's a need? And it probably is. We're all there. Even loving in your family. It's where it starts. 
would you just commit to God? Prep your heart to be all in. I get asked to do something, I'm going to be in. Small group, I'm in. Serving with others, I'm in. I hear a need, I'm in. Let's pray together. Father, pray that you would prompt our hearts. Open our mind for this art of loving like Jesus. God, I pray that you would continue to percolate the sensitivity and loyalty and commitment and burden that we can have for each other here and continue to do something absolutely awesome here. And God, what you do in us and in our church, what you do for us, may it not end with us but use us and continue to bring people into your kingdom and into this church. And the credit goes to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So here's how Jesus says it. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's the hardest job you'll ever do. It's the most rewarding job you'll ever do. And may God bless you as you do it. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.